Welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast, a space where we together will inspire people to do something good. This podcast is for all of us that care. We care about how we spend our days, how we show up for each other and for the planet. I'm your host, Alexander Nash. I am many things as we all are, but the things I most proudly identify with are I'm an entrepreneur, a mother, business coach, athlete, and meditation teacher. I've roamed the impact startup world for over 15 years now, and I feel like it is time to share the stories of so many fascinating people doing so many incredible things. Together with the guests on this show, we will provide inspiration that no act is too small and that we are all needed. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Today, I'm welcoming Abby Pantano to the podcast. Abby is the founder and community architect for the Impact Collab, a digital community membership for impact leaders. She is on a mission to create the most connective community in the world. She has built all of this with a bunch of free tools, and to this day, she still doesn't have a website. She believes an important superpower to have as a founder is to be able to ask for help when you need it. This is not Abby's first business in the social entrepreneurial world, as she has previously worked with both natural drinking straws and a physical work collab space. She started realizing that as impact leaders, we can do so much work together, even though our impact target varies. Abby is lit up by like-minded people and going for a bushwalk, because that is when she gets time to stop and reflect. Who doesn't just love that, right? In this conversation, we talk about dropping the metric that attendance means performance, the importance of creating a healthy blueprint as an impact leader, and that every cent that you spend is you voting for the kind of world you want to live in. Hi, Abby, and welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast. It is so nice of you Mm. to take the time to be here today. Thank you for having me right across the time zones. I know. What time is it in? in uh, your end at your end of the world right now uh 5 14 p.m in sydney gadical country that's great and it's what is it quarter past nine early morning in sweden oh so there you go just barely a reasonable time for both of us still i know working hours we're all good <laughs> that's good that's a good point actually because these things yeah. tend to go slightly in uh, in straight in strange times for me when you try to speak around the, the time zones. Um, anyways, on the pod, I like to often start off with a question that kind of lands us right on topic before we get to know you personally a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my first question for you is, if you got to view the future in the most idealistic way possible for you and your mission, what would it look like? Uh I think, I mean, there's so many answers, right? But I think in line with maybe the work that I'm doing, um, functional communities, functional communities where we collaborate and we listen to each other and we share ideas and recognizing that each one of us, we're a bit like a puzzle, 
And we, um, you know, it's like every piece has a different role to play and being able to recognize those different talents and acknowledge them. And, and I think that I truly believe that community is going to be a vital key to unlocking the challenges that we experience around um, climate change, around inequalities, um, around really pretty much all of the UN global goals for sustainable development. And I think I, I like I like to imagine that there's this campaign actually that I'm like kind of dreaming up at the moment, which I'm not sure if you would have would have heard of it. They've got the where it's like the yeah, sex is cool, but and so it'd be like yeah, sex is cool, but but have you ever stood on a crunchy leaf? Or yeah, sex is cool, but have you ever been cutting paper and just had scissors glide through the paper? So it's all around like uh, you know cool. you, you think about something that sounds awesome, but it's like what's really satisfying? And I think about like yeah, saving the world is cool, but have you ever seen your rubbish, your trash go down to like one tiny bag or disappear completely because you've got a composting system and your recycling is working properly and you're making all of your food or, you know, it's like, what are all the different things that can give us um, excitement and love and that feel really satisfying that happen to be good for society and good for the planet? that are also really satisfying for ourselves as well. So um, I'd love to be able to see communities that are excited about the fact that their local councils are only collecting their rubbish bins once a month because they're like, well, that's great. We don't even need them to collect our rubbish bins anymore because we've got, we grow our local veggies or we have a local a community garden that we do work on and we compost. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely in terms of the like the areas I'm operating around um, and obviously, you know, you go into developing nations and having a fair and more equitable world and, and, you know, I could go on for forever, but that's one thing that I love to see is people just really excited about sustainability um, and thrifting and having, you know, clothing swaps with each other, you know, neighborhood clothing yeah. swaps all coming together. Imagine that, you know, just a, circuit, a truly circular economy world. I would love that's that. really yeah that's really beautiful and I like the analogy you make of the that you say about the puzzle because that's also one reason why I started this podcast and and named it that we are all needed because I think often when we work on these big issues we kind of tend to see that it's someone else's problem or the problem is too huge or what can I do about it but I think it's important to realize that we all matter and we can all do something and it's often the small things that give the greatest satisfaction as opposed to the really, really big unattainable things. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. It's those small steps. It's enjoying the journey and knowing that, you know, we know what the final destination is, but how nice to be able to stop and take in the views along the way and to be able to savor moments as well. Yeah. I love that. So who are you? Who is Abby? And where you mentioned a little bit, but where are you? Who are you? And what do you spend your days doing? Uh, sure. So my name is Abby Pantano. I am a founder and community architect for the Impact Collab. So we are a digital community membership for impact-led founders. And um, I'm really on a mission to create uh, not the biggest community in the world, but the most connected community in the world that truly brings in all of our different skills and talents to support each other and really strengthen our weakest links when it comes to those who are making an impact on the ground and those who've got skill sets at a, at a service level. And um, I am based on Gadigal country in the Eora Nation, which is the inner west of Sydney over in Australia. And uh, 
yeah, my my passion and love really is community. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> That's really interesting. And you mentioned your aim isn't to create the biggest community, but rather the most connected community. How do you how do you make sure that that's that that's what's happening? Uh, well, the first piece is um, I mean I have put a cap on the community size that I'm building. I've limited it to 150, uh, which is based on Dunbar's number. It comes back to actually tribes, and so when tribes reached uh, more than 150, they started to splinter, uh, and. Part of it was really, I guess there are some communities that exist where essentially thought leaders um, who are essentially leading the head and maybe disseminating information and they're looking to just get that as wide as possible. What I'm building with the Impact Collab is it's more decentralized than that. I'm really just, I'm essentially a community manager who decided to build a business out of it. So it's really about creating the container where each individual person's skill sets comes in, is acknowledged, and they're given that space to be able to demonstrate that and share that within the community. Uh, I don't do quote unquote masterclasses where it's um, large group consuming content, but rather everything is in small group mentoring. Uh, we connect through a Slack channel, but I um, operate on the, my objective is, is it's based on the I think someone called it the bus theory. So if I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, that it would still continue to exist. Ah, yeah, but I mean, that's actually a really big threat in a lot of businesses. So that's pretty cool to build that in right from the start. Yeah, it's an it's a, um, interesting one to always at the forefront be, how can I design myself out of this throughout that the the designing process and it's interesting because originally I used to call myself a community matchmaker in my title so I was the founder and community matchmaker then I realized that I was still centralizing myself and putting myself in the middle of the community and so and it was actually through reading a book called Belong by Mickey Agrawal or by Radha Agrawal uh, and she used the term community architect. And I was like, I love that. You know, it's about creating spaces, creating rooms, creating structure to where the community lives and exists and thrives. And I just happen to be out here putting up different walls and cool little details, but it's, I'm not the center of it. And they can find uh, each other within the structure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's the, that's the intention. And, and to be able to create a template here that works really well. Um, so that actually can be duplicated in other areas to where other impact-led founders who are wanting to support organizations who are making an impact at a grassroots level can come together and connect and thrive and share ideas and grow together. So it's, yeah, creating highly functioning groups um, that are really designed as an ecosystem. It's yeah. about creating that biodiversity. You don't have a du too much duplication in one certain area. There has to be a large mixture across the group. And how have you how have you learned this skill too? Because I think when you're talking, you are putting a voice to everyone's dream. You know, any business wants to have thriving communities and thriving connections, and you know, not too much duplication. And how have you learned how to do that? Uh, it's really been so much of just trial and error and co-design. Um, a lot of having conversations conversations with the members and making sure it's something that that resonates and going I'm having this idea or how does this land for you a lot of it is also designing what I wish I could have um, as a community member I had a social enterprise where I was looking for functional communities like this and I found that um, 
a lot of times communities can also be quite an ableist space. You need to be a, an extrovert or maybe you have to be um, attending things in person. It's not really accessible to those who are neurodivergent or maybe live in remote communities um, and to uh, more diverse voices who may not traditionally show up in these spaces. And so I wanted to create something where those spaces, they had a voice and they felt like they could show up authentically in a way that works for them as well. And that's something where I certainly have, um, there's not much we can thank the pandemic for, but the ability to, for people to embrace a digital community experience has um, certainly been a positive outcome for sure. But yeah, I think I honestly, I think it's been through conversations, so much trial and error, um, so much trial and error, um, a lot of reading um podcasts and and yeah just showing up at spaces and having conversations really it's a definitely a test of resilience <laughs> yeah yeah because I think you're really on to something because often I've also been in the startup world obviously for a long time and the social entrepreneurs and normal entrepreneurial companies and often you get you go into these I don't know they have different names accelerators or you know whatever you want to call them and it's it's more of a one-way street like I as the entrepreneur kind of show up and just expect things to be handed to me and when they're not I'm disappointed um, and I'm there but I actually don't really have any time to put in myself because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm busy so it's mm. I find a lot of those accelerators and alike have great visions um, and it's a great idea behind it but it doesn't always seem to work because when I I meet a, I meet loads of entrepreneurs and a, a main thing that they seem to struggle with is that they feel lonely mm -hmm. and I recognize that myself as well but then on the other hand like how can how can we all feel lonely when there's like a million I'm sure there's in Australia and I mean in Sweden there's a million program and accelerators and network events and I mean there's no shortage of them yet entrepreneurs feel lonely so yeah. what if it is something to the model you know mm. that yeah could... I mean yeah I mean I think that there's certainly I think there's value in incubators as a launch pad but they are like sort of a churn and burn system you know it's like come in get your thing and it's kind of it's like a it's a real sprint and I know for me I really struggle that's another thing is I really struggle with programs like that because sometimes I'm not ready to go on to the next stage that they're on to they're like all right well now we're going to focus on this and like I'm still wrapping my head around this and I've actually just realized that my business model isn't quite right and I've got to tweak it and and there aren't a lot that exists that can grow necessarily and take their time with you. You've then suddenly got to reapply. You've got to get into the whole process again. I think yeah. there's definitely some people who thrive in those kinds of environments being like, you know, it's kind of that hustle and flow, like get it done. And, um, and that just wasn't really an energy that I was necessarily sinking. I found that that really just wore me out. Um, and so part of what I was, I'm, I aim to uh, essentially facilitate with the community is that so essentially every month I have a couple of our founders who are um, experts in their own their own topics who host expert pods. So it's small group mentoring where they essentially will share 
foundational work around a concept and then you have a follow-up session with them two weeks later and only four up to four members can be in with that expert so it's a small group it's about having conversations and having accountability as well the two weeks later so you can actually come back and be like I really struggled. I went and tried this thing that you mentioned. I struggled with it and I don't know why. And I'm going, okay, here's how we can fix it. So it's a relationship builder. It means it's a bit more hands-on, but those experts will host that class every six months. Um, and each month you can choose between a couple of different topics. And so if you're like, actually, do you know what? I really want to focus on team building right now because I'm thinking about doing that next. And it's sort of a choose your own adventure. There's no yeah. set schedule that you have to follow. Uh, and so it's really just, um, and I had a chat with one of my founders as well. And he was talking about how he came in thinking he knew what he needed to solve, but he, you know, it's a matter of, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And it's been this journey of going, Oh, actually someone happens to be running, um, a session on, um, actually an SEO workshop. I might just go and jump in just to see what it is. And they go, I had no idea that was all there. And I had to go and take that away, but they can only do one topic in a month. Um, and they don't have to do a topic every month, but it just, they just have this ability to be able to move and flow and see, you know, if it's like, actually, I feel like I've got the energy for this, this month. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important as well to know what's actually resonating for you at that time. And how, how have you set that up structurally? Do you, have you built a platform? You, you mentioned a Slack channel. How have you, mm -hmm. how do you facilitate it all digitally? Because I think, do you have a website? Uh, <laughs> I have a landing page that says I'm working on a website. <laughs> yeah, see, that's amazing I... to me that you have a digital community <laughs> that's so thriving without a website. That in itself is a good story. <laughs> I mean, I was I was fortunate in that having the having the co-working space. So I had a, a for context, um, I had a co-working space that I owned and operated for three years. And that was a space for impact led founders to come and connect. And then through the, the lockdown, I then had to very quickly pivot that in-person experience into a digital one. So I was lucky to have the foundational relationships built to be able to go into that. And I had um, what Rada refers to in her book belong my fuck yeah friends you know yeah. the ones who are like all right let's do this I'm ready to give this energy um, rather than a group of people who are like oh yeah I guess I'll you know see how we go it's like if you don't have sort of like it's um, I think people are are good people are um, kind-hearted and they want to say yes when you ask for favors but if they're not fully invested in it they're not going to show up in a meaningful way so I was lucky to have those show them in a meaningful way and the, the power of having a nucleus that's really activated is that that just reverberates that will just naturally grow but the importance of making being so selective about who is at the core of a community you're growing so it means that as people start to show up in that space they recognize that best case template of what it is to be a community member yeah. and so it's setting that bar um, if it's a lot of people who are kind of half-hearted, it's going to stay at a half-hearted level. Um, and to answer your question around technology, yeah, it's, uh, it is incredible what you can do without um, any money. <laughs> I mean, so with Slack, I'm on the free, um, I'm on the free system. I run uh, weekly calls with my community, just like check-in calls where I provide a theme and we just unpack it in small groups of two to three. I do that through Butter. Um, which is uh, similar to Zoom, but it's more fun. It's got like reaction emojis and- I've never um, heard about that. It's called butter. It's, yeah, just, yeah, 
B-U-T-T-E-R. It's great. And so you get an hour for free on there and it's got a, some great collaboration tools in there. I discovered it through another community I'm part of called the Community Collective, which is a community for community builders. So for anyone who's looking to build community, I highly recommend Paz is incredible. The course is incredible. Um, I think I've mentioned it to you before, Alex. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let's see. So butter is free. Um, I have Slack, which is free. The only thing, um, like Notion, I'm, I've created like a wiki for all of the different things on Notion. I use Airtable for my member directory, special offers directories, and um, my expert directories. The only thing that I do pay for is AdEvent, which is um, a platform where essentially I can create the events and people can register oh, through okay. there and add the event to their calendar. So that one was really important because I was getting to this point where I was having to send out calendar invites to everyone. And, you know, was, the community was starting to get too big for me to do that. So um, that was an important part. But I'm still actually sending newsletters from my email address. Um, I'm looking at moving over to, oh, what is... Um, Okay, moving over to there's a new platform that I've just been looking at signing up to, which is fantastic. Let me just see if I, they've been spamming me with emails. So I'm sure that they'll come right up in my inbox. Um, sorry, pardon me one moment while I have a look. Yeah, no, please do. Uh, I think that's really helpful. Um, I mean, certainly Osher as well is really good. They have a free version of Osher for transcribing where you can upload a video and then actually get the transcription and be able to put um, timestamps if there's anything that I do record. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing. I do. I need to actually do a post on um, all of the different tools. My husband just, <laughs> it blows his mind sometimes when he's like, you really just don't have to have any overheads when it comes to community apart from yourself. And if I choose to hire someone, yeah. because there's so many cool, like free tools that exist. These Trello for my project management. It's all free. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's really, really, yeah. I mean, that's really valuable knowledge for anyone listening to know that you can do so much with so little. Because I think community building, often we find the digital version so complex. Um, and it's there's been a bit of rise on the, uh, I can't remember what they're called now. I think one is called Circle. These like community oh, yeah. platform I don't know what you would call them, community platform app. Yeah, it's um, sort of like that centralized database. I'm familiar with Circle. I, I support another community called OneRoof, which is a digital community membership for female entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, they use Mighty Networks. Oh, yeah, that's um, another one. And which, I've is, been which is brilliant. Of, and I still yeah, think they are good it, too. Yeah. They're really good. Um, but there is a lot of information in in one in one place. Um and it depends, I guess, who you have in your community, but it's an interesting um, it's it's an interesting thread to pull a little bit because often we are on, like if you have jobs or if you're a consultant or if you work with other people, you probably have Slack maybe anyways, and you have Notion anyways. Mm -hmm. And I think anything you can do to just add something to what people are already doing is going to make it much more easier mm -hmm. than to get someone to use a completely new app um, yeah I mean it's interesting with mighty networks I am seeing more and more communities pop up on that platform so I feel like it's starting to become a bit more um, normalized for some who have experienced that platform before and I mean certainly that was the case with slack I remember when I was 
Yeah. I first, I had a couple of people who'd mentioned, well, how don't we go on to Slack? And I was like, to be honest, I was in the overwhelm. I, I get really overwhelmed by tech platforms. Um, and I think it's also because I have one of those brains where if I'm cleaning the kitchen, say, I'll start, you know, I'll start pulling out glasses. And while I'm pulling out glasses, I'll be like, oh, but don't forget you need to do this other thing. And then I'll start pulling out the cutlery. And then it's one of those things where like I do yeah. everything as a half job and it gets way worse before it gets better. And then it and it's fine when you have something visual like that. But when it's a digital platform you're setting up and you're doing lots of little things, it's just so I, I have a real aversion. It's totally overwhelming. And then you find that you've done certain things, like you haven't completed certain things, you've completed others. And it's just, my brain is not designed for setting up tech platforms and systems. It just doesn't operate that way. So I was really tech adverse. And when people were saying, when I had the co-working space going, we really need Slack. And I was like, I don't know. Can we just, um, I, I, I don't even know if I had a solution at the time other than, um, us just chatting, but um, actually notes. I think as a co-working platform. Yeah, just writing notes, you know, just put a post-it up. And, um, and, but now, you know, it's like when I tell people I've got Slack, they're like, oh yes, I've used Slack before. And it's, you know, it's now actually it's getting to the point where like, I've just got so many Slack channels. So um, <laughs> it's yeah. trimming it down. But and once you've got that adoption where they're already using it for somewhere else, it's so much easier. So I'll be interested. I think Mighty Networks will slowly get there. Um, I just really miss, I love that Money Networks has GIFs, um, little videos, uh, responses, but I just, with Slack, I love the emojis, the fact that you can put in five different emojis, yeah. and I've got a little dancing parrot emoji, which like moves around, which I just love putting on my members post. I think you can have so much fun with the emojis without even having to write comments, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, like love heart, <laughs> earth emoji, Yeah. <laughs> put in the dancing parrot, you know, you can tell a story with emojis. So yeah, there's that's something so, so satisfying. Uh, it's like, I need more than a heart, you know, it's like a heart can't communicate all the love that I have for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. You mentioned when you talked about uh, putting to the communities together that, uh, as you become a member of the community, you realize also what's needed for you to be a good community member. And I think mm -hmm. that's an interesting point because I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about, it was more talking about the traditional like corporate workplace, but they, they were having a discussion and it was someone that wasn't feeling um completely at home in the workplace and they felt a bit left out and like that the you know the colleagues weren't supportive um in the way that this person needed uh, and the expert so to speak was kind was saying something that I thought was so profound but it's so true he was saying don't forget that you are also your colleague's colleague mm where I think often we think about community as something that is around us, but we like, like we're part of, but we're also not part of it. Like we, we fail to see our contribution to mm -hmm. the community. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that's yeah. often maybe the missing link. Like I was saying, you know, if you go into, a program you think you enter there and this community is just gonna appear and wrap its arms around you and surely it can mm -hmm. do that but you also need to have your arms open to be able to like complete the hug <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that I, I like that yeah absolutely I mean learning how to um to receive and 
it's a superpower to be able to ask for help. Uh, it's it's one of the greatest superpowers you can have as a founder is to acknowledge when you need support and go out and ask for help. And then the other superpower is actually having spaces you know you can show up, ask for help, and know that um, help will be there that you can yeah. rely upon. Um, but I know that one thing that I always thought was, you know, when I first got started, I thought my was my greatest weakness was actually my strength was um, I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, I, my friends, I, well, I have friends now who are entrepreneurs because I went on this journey. But um, when I started, I didn't have any friends who are entrepreneurs. My husband has his own business, which inspired me to go, well, I want to do that. But he's, he's not a, he's not one of those ones who's going to be coaching anyone anytime soon. We'll put it that way. He's got, he's got, everything works out in his head. And, and when you ask for a liberation, he's like, well, haven't you gotten this yet? So I, I learned very quickly to go, he will not be my, my mentor and coach. And it's good to have that line in the sand. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was knowing that I, I didn't have a network and I didn't know what I was doing. And so I was just asking for help and just finding more and more people who could help and where we could kind of collaborate and come together. And also realizing that in some conversations, I mean, my background's in marketing and partnerships. I used to work um, lead teams for different international retail brands in this department. I loved discussing Marketing or partnerships in particular and collaborations. I mean, I guess it makes sense that a community leader would be like partnerships, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I could talk about it until the cows come home. And um, I sometimes forget about um, that superpower. And I, I actually, I read something recently that was saying how you can get someone to recognize what they're good at. And it's by asking them, um, what are you good at that other people can do? Um, or you think everyone can do? And a lot of times, because we're so humble, we're like, oh, well, I think everyone's great at at partnerships or in collaborating and they'll go actually no uh yeah, but it, it's one. almost leading with that humble element I was like oh that, and I've tried it a couple of times now and they've gone and I've gone yeah that that thing that you think everyone's really good at they're not <laughs> that's yeah. actually what you're really good at and they're like oh yeah that's right and and so it's been kind of cool with so with those expert pods, right, you have the, obviously the traditional people who are you know have a marketing background or um uh you know, like that's their trade or social media. And they're like, okay, well, I'll do an expert pod on what my service business is. But I've actually had some members who have come in who, for example, I've got Nim who she has um, uh, an e-commerce business called All of the Good Things, which is all fair trade, sustainable products, beautiful. She's one of my early founding, um, uh, founding members. Her background before she did this was tech sales. And so she had come into a couple of different um uh, expert pods and was like I want to give back in some way and oh actually I'm pretty good at b2b sales I had to do it at my last job and so she hosted an expert pod and there was so much demand that she's like okay well I'll host another one and she hosted another one and then she ended up building she's now got a, a separate business called authentic selling she runs an expert pod every two months supporting impact-led founders to build b2b sales processes and she's now built a course out of that which wow. is like an eight amazing eight-week course and so part of it as well it's been um and i had another um founder who is uh she is a um uh like travel blogger and uh she again wanted to give back and was like well you know the whole thing about creating a successful travel blog is having great seo it's all seo and she's like actually do you know what i'd like to give back maybe i'll do an seo expert pod another one 
Oh, it absolutely gang busted. She runs it every two months and then she gets some additional passive income that comes through where she goes and supports those businesses. And so it's been kind of cool to see some people who show up in the space who go, yes, it's my business. So I'm happy to give back. And other ones who go, oh, actually I'm pretty good at this. And I'd like to be able to give back. So how about I host? And because it's only a, a smaller group of four, um, it's not so intimidating as going no. in front of, you know, 50 people and having to prepare a PowerPoint. It's kind of going, well, what, what brought you here and what do you want to unpack and how can I help you um, with this specific topic? So it's, yeah. it's up to them on how they choose that adventure. But yeah, so that's kind of fun to be able to see um, those who came in with maybe a, rece a receiver um, mentality, I guess, but then realize that they're like, actually, I've got so much to give here. To give. And it's kind of like going to a house party and you're like, sometimes you ask to wash the dishes and the host is like, no, no, don't do the dishes. And you're like, I want to do the dishes. And there's something about actually getting to have pitched in and been like, I got to help with this party. It felt like it was kind of my party too, yeah. rather than just stand around drinking, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess that's, that's a bit what I'm about. So yeah. That's it's also like that. very interesting to, as far as business building, I think often when we only look at the business and not the person behind, we have a tendency to think it succeeded for maybe uh, for a reason that it didn't does that make sense like I was there's this um there's a girl in my network she has a she runs a really um successful blog uh, like a lifestyle blog and when you look at her you could think that oh she's really good at taking pictures and she's really good at writing like that's you know if if I'm not good at taking pictures and I'm not good at writing I can never do what she does but at the end of it, she she actually puts up a lot of recipes on her blog and recipes are the best for SEO. So she has like a sourdough recipe that's like it's the top of every like SEO search for sourdough bread. So like you're saying, yeah. her key wow. strength <laughs> is like writing recipes that get good reach on like Google. But yeah. that's not what you think when you compare yourself to her and you want what she has. <laughs> it's something completely different and I think that's really that's why I love speaking to founders because most of the time unless you're a founder but even if you're a founder that's just 18 19 you've done something previously mm -hmm. that is probably a huge part of the success uh, of what you're doing right now absolutely like the yeah, same absolutely. with you and partnerships it makes total sense yeah uh, and certainly being able to um, see the power of a um, of a curated partnership that actually like propels a business into that next stage is, oh, it gives me such a kick. It's, it's just amazing. I think, um, yeah, definitely. I, I love looking at like collaborations that have taken form um, and how they really move, can move a business. And it actually is um, the power of this where you don't have to have this huge marketing budget you just have to have the ability to collaborate and that, and that's, I mean, I have built this business from nothing. Um, and I haven't had money. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's all been through partnerships. So yeah. there you go. That's really cool. And what's have been your biggest surprise so far on this journey? Oh, my biggest surprise so far. Hmm. Uh, I think certainly I'm trying to think it's a good question. Let me have ponder this for a moment. 
I think certainly it's not a huge surprise, but being, but delving in just really seeing the level of fracture that exists within impact led enterprises in terms of we have our own different missions and causes. And I see in, um, and I think that the focus is, can be so laser focused. Um, it's like a laser pointer is on that mission and cause, but we forget that all of our causes are actually interrelated. Um, you know, you think about how, for example, with um, educating women in developing nations, uh, educating women to an older age means that the birth rate is more likely to go down, which makes, you know, for a more sustainable community, which means that they then can get jobs. They are five times more likely to keep the money in their communities as well. You know, there's like, there's all these like really beautiful um, uh, knock-on effects that come from, and, and it, and I think as well for me, I started this because I, um, like my first social enterprise was around sustainability uh, and circular economy products and also around um, my passion for um, being a solution around climate change, but realizing that this is actually, um, sustainability in particular is a first world problem. If you are struggling just to survive um, and just to get through, you know, I, as someone had mentioned about, you know, if you if you're just you're kind of at the water level and you're just trying to catch your breath, you're not thinking about the plastic floating in the ocean around you. You're just trying to get that breath. And so it's like that importance of making sure that we are looking across the board and supporting each other. One piece that, you know, I, there's this amazing book called uh, Don't Think of an Elephant. And it kind of talks about the difference between the left and the right um, uh, in terms of political party and, and where you stand and you know the right wing they were they had this ability to get over all of their differences come together and create think tanks around okay we know that our ultimate objective is to be the biggest we can be and make sure we dominate in these spaces and i think there's such an opportunity for the left for those impact-led founders for those impact-led communities to come together and go just because your mission isn't my mission doesn't mean that we can't support each other through and I think it's a challenge around certainly when um, they are all competing for the same grants when they're competing and I think this is where the power of social enterprise exists with not-for-profits there's still so much reliance on where that money is coming from social enterprises ones that can stand on their own feet and and make that impact that they're looking to make um can really they could really shape that future in terms of what we're building and and how business can interact and integrate with society rather than this mentality of they are meant to be operating as silos business and society should be silos but they're, they're not silos you know um you need schools to educate your workers. You need roads to transport your your goods. You need power to power your computers. You know, it's it's like no more of this, you know, separation. It's a matter of they have to integrate and complement each other. And uh, and so I think that we have a huge opportunity to to come together to find ways that we can operate more sustainably and not feel like we're in competition and we have a scarcity mindset. Uh, because that's going to be that next step to moving into collaboration of a competition mindset. And that will be the game changer when it comes to creating a fairer and more equitable world and more sustainable world. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, it actually brings me back to one of my social enterprises that I started. I had this, um, or from when I was very young, I've had this thing to help 
uh, educate girls or try to get more girls to go to school. Um, but then I, one of my first trips to Africa a long time ago, someone said to me when we were in a village, they said, look out for, uh, for when you go to a village and you see girls dressed in school uniforms, the main reason they're doing that is because someone has gone in and provided them with clean water. And that's a connection that I had at the time never really mm. made. But then when you look at the statistics, it's obviously there. So like the main reason in many of the developing countries um, that the girls are not going to school is because they help their mothers carry water. There you go. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful, yeah. I mean, it can't get any more like connective than that. That's so true. And you, that's such a, yeah, I um, I remember listening to a podcast on that where, yeah, they were saying that, yeah, something that is so simple as water yeah. um, can be so meaningful and how that can reverberate in such a meaningful way throughout a community. So, yeah, I love that you brought that up. Absolutely. And uh, how we talked a little bit about the the way of entrepreneurship that sometimes it can be a little bit of that, you know, hustle and striving uh, culture. How have you as an entrepreneur creating this yourself kind of, you know, stayed away from that and nurtured yourself so that you you personally are also sustainable in the journey of building your business and your community? Uh, certainly one thing that I uh, appreciate about being able to work for myself rather than the traditional work model is uh, that going for a bushwalk is actually, that's me working and that's me being productive. It took a long time for me to wrap that my head around that to go, going for a bushwalk is actually, that's the time where I get to stop and I get to process. And it's so grounding for me. Uh, it's just to be able to go and reconnect with nature. And I just feel like I come out and I feel like I've just had four shots of coffee yeah. uh, because it just makes me so happy. I um, Prioritizing time in nature is a really big part. And I can tell when I haven't been prioritizing that my energy levels start to drop. Um, I also, I work to only have meetings in the mornings because um, I know in the afternoon is when I like to focus and get things done. If I have lots of spread out meetings through the day, I, I can't go deep on anything in particular. So um, I actually started to even with Tuesdays um, have no meetings at all on Tuesdays. Um, and so just having one day where you know that you're not going to be interrupted is like, oh my goodness, you feel like, it almost feels like um, when you're a uni student and you suddenly don't have exams anymore and you've got the whole weekend, you're like, this day, this weekend is all mine. Yeah. There's moments where I'll get to like a Tuesday and be like, and I'll look and be like, oh, there's no meeting, this day is all mine. And it gives me that chance to play. So I love being able to do that. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a big piece. And then I I host um, in-person co-working days um, twice a month on the first and the third Thursday of the month over in Sydney. And I get my, I'm a verbal processor. So it's nice to be able to be surrounded by people and that energy and that tops me right up. So I can go back into my, my little layer and keep on working as well. So getting my doses of human, human um, interaction and verbal processing is, it's really important for me too. That's great. It sounds like you have, you have gone to a place where you can give yourself permission to do the things that, you know, help you in the long run which is great because yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, sometimes it's easy to just, you kind of replicate the nine to five life at home 
which doesn't really make any mm. sense. And you almost feel like you're cheating some sort of system that doesn't exist if you go out for a walk in the middle of the day, <laughs> even though you're an adult <laughs> and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you have to remind yourself, I, I am an adult and I can do what I want. Oh, yeah. absolutely. After, you know, after 12 years of working in, you know, bigger businesses where attendance is a performance metric. Exactly. Um, did she arrive before 8.30 and did she leave after 8.30? And when you go, I didn't get Jack done today, but I, I showed up and I was there. And whenever my boss looked out the window, he could see me. So thumbs up for me, a pat on the back, you know, and moving past that to going, showing up is no longer enough. And if you're no longer giving anything, you need to go and change and disrupt what your pattern is right now. I'm a big believer in a daytime nap. Yeah. Um I, I probably at least a couple of times a week, I'll go, do you know what, if I'm feeling tired, I'm not having coffee anymore. I'm just going to take a nap. Uh, so I think that also to be okay with that and not feel like that's um, a hit on productivity, but actually to go, I'm going to give so much more this afternoon because I gave that time for myself to take that break. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. And that's yeah. also something that's sometimes hard, especially as women to give yourself permission to do that, to take that rest. Um, I have two children and, and I remember when they were little, I always, I most of the time actually slept when they slept. I know that's triggering for people to hear, but I'm a tired person. So any, you know, anytime I can get to sleep. And then when they stopped sleeping during the day, it was actually so sad for me. So, <laughs> so now it's turned out, now it's turned into not the baby's asleep. Now it's mommy's asleep. <laughs> so now they let me take a nap. <laughs> Which is really funny. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, sleeping during the day is the best. Um, Here for in, it. Here for it. Yeah. In just a few words, uh, what lights you up? Uh, what lights me up? Um, I think really just it's speaking to like-minded people. Uh, to be surrounded by solutions-minded people. I remember going to the Social Enterprise World Forum up in Brisbane. We actually did a road trip with um, a big group of impact-led founders nice. up there. And I get car sick. And I was thinking, what was I thinking? I'm going to be on a metal tube for like three days. I'm not going to be able to have a hold a conversation with people for this long. I, I just, I was... But to be honest, I was really dreading it, but I was like, you've done this, you're, this is how you're going to get to stoof. And, and do you know, it ended up just being one of the most um, like magical, inspiring, wonderful few days to be, I could sit and talk to impact led founders all day, every day for the rest of my life. It makes me so happy. And it's such interesting people. It's always interesting to understand what was their catalyst? What was that spark to go? I'm choosing a life of impact. I am choosing to dedicate my life to creating a world that I believe should exist. And, um, oh man, that's, it's such a drug to be able to hear people who are, um, who are like on that mission, on that cause. And I am so passionate about essentially like hacking and figuring out ways to create functional communities that can support these founders in a way so we can move out of this hustle and stress and, and grinding ourselves into the ground to actually thriving. Uh, and so we actually become a better advertisement for ourselves than we have been currently. Right now, people look at impact-led founders, and I think the vast majority of us, um, you know, they go, they've got no money, they look so stressed, they're working all the time. Yeah. Um, of course, people don't want to take that step, but if we can actually figure out that blueprint of creating 
um, lives that are full of impact, but also full of um, like of you know discovery of self and actually having enough resources that's truly sustainable. Um, so we're not just surviving; we're actually thriving in this space. Imagine the others who might want to come on that journey. So I really like I want to hack that, and I want to be able to create more of these blueprints. And the other piece as well is being at Souf. The topics that came up this is the Social Enterprise World Forum. The topics that came up typically, if you're in a room, would feel really heavy. But in those rooms, it felt light because you were surrounded by people who were like, "I'm fixing that. I'm doing that. I just need to figure out how to do it at scale." Yeah. So we're, we're so close. We just we just need to get up to that next level. But um, yeah, just surrounding myself with like-minded humans who are really like passionate about change and and doing the work to get there, rather than there's a real learn learned helplessness that's been caused by a 24 hour news cycle by um, social media by you know there's a lot of us where a lot of the population which sits in apathy. So, what was that catalyst for you? What was that catalyst for you uh, to lead more of an impact life, an impactful? Business? The catalyst for me, the okay. So my first social enterprise was um, these. Uh, it was essentially sustainable drinkware products for hospitality businesses. And it came from, um, my husband has got a, like his rescue diver certification. He used to do heaps of diving growing up. And he was like, I've always wanted to go diving with you. There's this amazing spot called Sipidan over in um, Borneo. He was like, but you have to get your um, like advanced um, patty in order to do it. So yeah. let's go and, and get your diver certification. So we, we um, I was like, okay, well, I'll do it, but I want to do it in Thailand where the water's warm. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I had lots of disposable income because I was <laughs> working for a bigger group, clearly. And so I was like, okay, great. Well, let's go to Thailand. So we go up to Koh Lanta and um, I, we had gone, I'd done like, you know, the first day in the pool, then we were out on the boat, did the first two dives and they were like, they were nice, they were good. But the third dive we go out and there is just so much plastic. I feel like I'm spending half the time looking at the fish and then the other half looking at plastic. And I, and I'm like swimming after this plastic and I'm shoving it into my, into my scuba suit. Um, and, and like my, my legs are like full. And by the time we get back up and I stand up there and I'm, I'm literally unloading all of this plastic out of my, my diving suit. And, um, and there wasn't a lot of shock from the instructors. I think that they kind of were like, you know, it, like it is what it is. But I think that was when I was just like, I can't, um, I, I have to be part of the solution. I just, I, I have to do something about this. And so, and I didn't want to be that person over in a bar who's shaking her finger at the person who gets a plastic straw. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to be able to have something where, like what could be a talking point where they go, actually, it could be really fun. Imagine like so these straws, they're, they're wheat stem drinking straws. So straws made of like actual straw, which, so fun fact, <laughs> um, the original straws were made of straw. That's why they're called straws. So it's actually just going back to the Makes original sense. form. There you go. You're like, oh, there you go. And, um, and they are literally, it was, you would strip the outer layer you would um, sorry, extract the grain, strip the outer layer, bake them. There's no chemicals used. And then afterwards, they're so natural, you could put them into your compost as the carbon element for layering. Yeah. Um, wow. And I was like, how cool to be able to tell this story with straws. You go, did you know, you know, for people to actually stop and look and realize that a solution could actually be kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think about as well as my sub pod with my, my worm farm, you know, it's like, it's so much fun now. Every time I put my food scraps out there and I turn the soil and there's so many worms in there, 
you know, you can get all these like little surprise and delights and moments. And so, yeah, that's, that was where I, it, but the, it came from that diving trip, yeah. all the plastic in the water. That's beautiful. And then on, on the opposite side of the coin, what makes you angry? Uh, it's apathy, but I can't get angry at apathy because I think that it's, um, I, I think that we can sometimes be a victim to our own circumstances. Again, things like that 24 hour news cycle, we expose ourselves to so much and there's so much negativity. And sometimes it's, um, I, I think it's just, a like a nervous system shutdown. We have to protect ourselves. We can't, it was actually funny. I was talking with them. We, I had one of the co-working days and one of the founders, we were talking about like which Hills we choose to die on. We're like, you know, you can't die on all of the Hills, but like, I'm going to choose this Hill. This is the one that can be the one I die on you know, very specifically. <laughs> um, and I think I, I struggle with those who choose, um, yeah, who just, who choose apathy and, and accept the status quo as it is, yeah. um, and don't seek to understand. Um, but I think that that's where the opportunity lies is how can we take others on that journey and, yeah. and bait them with the carrot rather than the stick. So, um, but I no longer, I, it's one thing that I have, I've had to choose is to, I can only control myself and I can only choose control how I show up in the world I can't control others I can't bring them to where I am um I for those who are interested um I can have that conversation and I can help pique that curiosity and I can lead by example and just go for those you know you hope it's like osmosis and if they want to come on that journey then great but I choose to lead by example um and just to do the best in with what I can and and hopefully that brings other people on the journey um, and for those that it doesn't, again, it's just like that, that, um, that piece I was talking about around sustainability is a first world problem. If you are struggling to keep your head above water, then you can't focus on the same problems that I'm focusing on. No. Um, we all have our own struggles. And I think that's one piece that COVID taught us. That was like one period where everybody was going through their own different struggle. And you learned to not be frustrated if they couldn't show up in the way that you wanted yeah. them to, because Everyone had something going know. on. I think that was totally, you just realized that, that you are literally just seeing the tip of the iceberg. There's so much below the surface. So it's not fair to, to expect others and not on them and not on you, to be honest. If you set those expectations, you're just setting yourself up for failure. I'd rather be surprised and delighted than disappointed when they don't match that. So yeah. I just lower my expectations. Just out here lowering them. <laughs> No, no, you always actually, lower your expectations, they will always be you always be surprised. Yeah. No, that's actually <laughs> exactly that's actually a great segue into one of the last questions before we wrap up. Um, if you were to give the listener just one simple thing that they could do uh today to create an impact for humanity or for the planet, what would you suggest for them or for us? Uh I mean Fashion textile waste is a huge astronomical problem. Um, and, and again, this is another really fun one is find clothing swaps yeah. or organize a clothing swap with your friends. Um, and when you buy a piece, 
invest in a piece which tells a story, find a fair trade product, find um, products that are, there's an amazing um, business called the social outfit over here where they're supporting asylum seekers and refugees and they actually make the garments and they work in the stores and they service the online, the online space. Find, find businesses, the businesses that you want to support, find the ones that have a story that are, that um, aren't part of a massive company. You know, it's like every time I'm, I, I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Every penny that you spend, every cent that you spend is you voting for the kind of world that you want to live in. And so each day you can choose where that dollar goes and, uh, and please change. I, I don't know what it is overseas or what you've got, but over here, it's our superannuation over New Zealand. It's Kiwi saver. So it's your, your money that goes away for retirement, you know, 10% out of your yeah. pay goes towards, um, have a look and see what your super fund or that organization who's holding on to that is investing in. A lot of times the the group that you are putting your money in for your future is actively putting money into things that are going to affect um, the livability of our planet in the future. Yeah. Um, so finding a super fund in Australia, it's super easy. They've got, I mean, they've got... Um, uh, Australian Ethical is one that I'm currently with. Future Super is amazing. Really finding ones that actually echo your values and beliefs um, because who wants a bunch of money on a dead planet? So that's another, that's a really, really big one. Yeah. That's um, two really good sure that you're not so, that in. Yeah, so clothing swaps and when you need to buy, buy something with a story and, to, and also have a look at where your pension funds are actually uh, landing and what they're going for. Yeah. So I got, I gave you three. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't do it. No, but I like that though. They're great. They're great. They have me inspired for sure. Um, so. And get a worm fan. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how can we support you in the best way possible? Is there anything we can do for you? Uh, I would just say that if you are an impact led founder or you are connected to um, and I'd say that it's not just people who are already um, have impact necessarily embedded into your business. If you are a business where you're like, I actually feel like I could make a greater impact in the world um, and I but I don't know how to do that. I have people in the community that can help you do that, where that's mapping you back to the UN Global Goals for Sustainable Development, creating powerful partnerships with charities who are working at a local level who actually work with um, the communities. Uh, and so you actually know that that money is going into meaningful spaces and supporting um supporting groups. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I'm going to add one more plug. One of our members, he, Wei Yao, who just re recently wrote a book called Redundant Charities. Oh, I saw and that. I might have him on the podcast, actually. Uh, you definitely got to get him on. He's um, he's brilliant. And it just talks about the importance of um, of charities having an exit strategy. Yeah. You know, it's about they're actually about going and fixing the problems, empowering that community and extracting. And so if you're going to be creating an impact strategy, you want to be supporting organizations who are about supporting rather than creating an additional problem in themselves. But I digress. So if you are um, either impact led, impact curious founder or you're connected to a founder who um, is interested in this space, do please feel free to connect them with me. Um, it's Abby at the or Abby at impactcollab.com.au. Um, the current community is focused around Southeast Asia, Australia, and New Zealand. However, I do have a Northern Hemisphere 
pod that is in the works. So certainly can add you to the wait list and I'd love to connect you to opportunities even in the meantime to support. And, um, and the other piece as well is that we have, um, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but so we have just launched a one-for-one -one program as part of the community. So how it works is for every paid digital community membership that we have in the community, we give away one community membership to a grassroots impact-led organization who's really making work, um, uh, doing meaningful work around the UN Global Goals for Sustainable Development. So That's wonderful. Um, That's great. Yeah. And, and how it works is essentially as you sign up as part of the club, you, I have then a database of these organizations and you choose which one you want to support as part of your membership. So it's no additional cost. It is included. And it means that if you say, for example, are going, we are an organization that believes in a world with no poverty. As part of that, we provide community support to this organization via the Impact Collab. So it'll be part of your um impact strategy being That's just great. showing up and being part of that uh, it means they get access to the support that traditionally b2b and service-based businesses would tap into but i found that those organizations those other or grassroots organizations don't tend to jump in there because they can't find the investment um so i guess the other way that you can help is that if you are aware of a great um, organization who's really making an impact on the ground, um, who could really use community support, please feel free to um, connect them with me or send them over my way. I would love to chat with them and um, shortlist them for our Global Goalies project. And hopefully they could get a sponsored spot within our community as well. Cool. Definitely. I will do that. Um, and I'll link everything in the show notes that we've talked about as well. Uh, again, thank you I'll, so much. I'll send Abby. you a presentation on that. <laughs> uh, yes, please do that. I I would like. I think I have a couple of suggestions that I could add to it as well. Um, oh, cool. Thank you again, Abby, for taking the time uh, to be here with us and for letting us know that we are all needed and that we can all do something. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I just love what you're building here. So, yeah, I really appreciate being invited. Great. Thank you. Thank you for using your precious time to listen to the We Are All Needed podcast. And if you find the podcast valuable, please rate, review, and most importantly, share this episode so that we can spread more goodness out there in the world. If you want to work with me, find out more about the guests or the community, please jump on over to www.thecircularentrepreneurs.com Until next time!